2: From the WEEI Studios.
1: Brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Privacy Simplified.
0: The home of the Red Sox. 93.7 WEEI-FM and HD1. Lawrence, Boston. Always live on the free Odyssey app.
2: This hour of the Fitzy and Hart Show is brought to you by Unified Office in their revenue-producing restaurant phone technology.
0: One can't help but be positive. Hey. From
4: Boston Sports Original 93.7 FM and coming to you live today from the Ford Clubhouse Fenway Studio this is the Fitzy and Heart radio program for the final Saturday of summer 2022 Saturday September 17th 2022 what a glorious day to be where we are thank you for listening to us folks it's a pleasure to share a part of a sunny Saturday with you you can get in touch with us for what we like to call two-way sports talk action at any point during the program by dialing 617-779-7937. That's the telephone number. Set it and don't forget it. You can jump into the digital sandbox and let your voice be heard and your thoughts be known by texting us at 37 And as always, the socials at FitzyGFY at jumboheart. And at W-E-E-I. On today's radio show, we will get you pumped and jacked, primed and ready for Stillers versus Patriots. Oh, what a matchup this used to be. And oh, how the mighty have fallen. At 2 p.m. today, we'll be joined by Mr. Pats Positive himself. Mike Duso from Patriots.com, your calls throughout the day, and, of course, the six-ring guys on a six-rings Saturday, if you will, Andy, giving you their thoughts and perspective. You better watch out today, Hart, because all things considered, what a woeful opening that was for the Patriots, what a lousy week they had. I am in an exceedingly good
3: mood today, sir. Interesting. I'm happy to hear that you're going to uh, promote some positivity around the Patriots because you've been, if we're being honest, a little bit down in the months of August and and early September. So uh, I'm intrigued to see how you're going to spin this positive in a, can I call it? I know some others have jumped on the bandwagon, but uh, early in the week on weei.com. one of my uh, columns, I said this was a must win game and I thought maybe I'd get more pushback. Interestingly, didn't. In fact, others joined the bandwagon. I know Chris Gasper wrote it for the Globe later in the week. Tom Curran uh, had some stuff on NBC Sports Boston where he called it a must-win game. Week two, the Patriots are 0-1. They're going to Pittsburgh, and they are in a must-win situation. Who'd have thunk it? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I couldn't agree more that it's
4: a must win game. Oh no, I'm mostly in a particularly good mood because I had a really good Friday night. Woke up this oh, morning, the sun was shining. Uh Here. went to there's a carnival right across the street from my house there uh, to support one of the local churches in the neighborhood where I live. So it was Fried just Fried Dough. Uh, what's that? Fried dough. No. What oddly we... enough, they have what? everything else. Cotton candy, candied apples, um, you know, the Polish sausages, Italian sausages, popcorn, pizza, carnival games, rides, everything. A beverage tent, no which is where dough? all the neighborhood dads were. Boy, what an easy okay. mark I was over there. Although, um, pro move, you kind of BYO. You wear the cargo pants with the big pockets and you just uh, do a little stash and dash. I digress. No fried dough. No fried dough, Andy. Can you believe and you that? stole money from a local charitable carnival? uh no i did not what i do is you byo and then you just put some money in the tip jar because i don't feel like oh. paying eight dollars for a bud light i'll just bring my own wow stealing from the local church or whatever yep community that's that's it's terrible what I do. Robin the hood you know me <laughs> woke up this morning went to my son's flag football game did you win yeah uh, uh, they did 36 nothing
3: oh wow
4: can yeah, we get him to play for the he... pats who's calling plays
3: <laughs> for that team Who's calling plays for that team? Sign them up.
4: Oh my I want to know at dude, what point there were so many dads on the, <laughs> Andy, there were so many dads on the sideline going like, run boy, it up. This reminds me of last Sunday's game.
3: <laughs> run it up. Let's go. Let's see if we uh, can put a 50 burger on these little punks.
4: Oh, my God. And my kid had a couple of good plays. I was very proud of him. It was a great day. And now Here's here his we his are. His athleticism, his mother. Uh, see, I knew there was going to have to be some sort of like not so thinly veiled shot in there. And that's okay. The thing is, I'm okay with all of it. I expect nothing less from such a classless degenerate like yourself. <laughs> uh yeah, he definitely doesn't get it from me, so. Uh God you know, I didn't even get a chance to play football growing up because my head was too big and they couldn't find a helmet big enough for me, so I had to sit on the sidelines like a fat toad the
3: entire year. Poor Fitzy. Poor I fat know. Fitzy. It now explains he takes it. he it out lot. on the listener by being wordy McWord
4: And now here we are trying to uh look let's at the Let's go, let's get into this light. game. We're looking at the lighter side of life because the Patriots, let's be honest, yes, it is a must-win game. Yes, it was a depressing opening. Poor Pats fans waited 238 days for that clown car fire last Sunday. But as the week went on and we reviewed some of the plays, you get your all-22s with the hodos and the football guys. Uh, just give the game a basic rewatch and just think about it. And then you listen to Mack and Belichick at all. It wasn't as bad as the final score indicated. That said, I know they're trying to be as positive as possible. The Belichick talking about two or three bad plays, and they could have turned the ship around. Mac Jones says the same thing. You know, we got to be better, eliminate the mistakes. I I agree with all of that. But it was a really, you know, here's the thing. It was a lousy week for the Patriots because, number one, you started off with Mac Jones being injured, too injured to do his post-game press conference, and then having a back injury that we need to hear from Rap Sheet, Uh, Tom Pellicero et al. saying and and Mike Giardi x-rays are negative his back is okay it was just spasms. I'm sorry When your quarterback gets folded like a VFW Hall card table week one against a division opponent that hits him time and again And he's the most rushed passer in the NFL week one with the least amount of time everything is an urgent throw He gets knocked around he gets x-rays and then a couple days later He's got a non-football-related illness. Thankfully, it wasn't COVID. Not, you could look at the bright side like, hey, at least it's not going to be Hoyer Trubisky. But Mac had a bad week. Then you find out the ratings are down. Fans are bummed out. Then you get the Albert Breer report, and you start learning more things about why it's Patricia and Judge, and they didn't get O'Brien and Kaylee. And Robert Kraft gets involved with the Kendrick Bourne debacle, w- creating drama where drama doesn't need to exist. I, Andy, just try to make a little sense of it for me here, please. Why why, why is why are the Patriots, who used to be the most drama-free team, save for the three biggest scandals in the 21st century of football, they try to keep everything in-house, ignore the noise, do your job, and now it seems like it's a Kardashian fest down there with storylines and drama and dysfunction galore. I, I'm just confused by it all because the, if they could just focus on the football, this is a winnable game tomorrow.
3: Because winning cures all, and they're not winning. And they haven't won of late going back to last season. They haven't won the big games they need to win. And over the years, they had plenty of drama. They had plenty of opportunities for Kardashian-like issues to pop up. But they won. And you forget about them. They become little subplots, little dot, dot, dots in the notebook instead of the lead story. But when you're losing and when there's sort of these uh, turmoil within the organization for various reasons at various levels, Uh, Of the organization, people fixate on it because they 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 don't have the victory to rally around each and every week, and that's why that's part of why I think this is a must win game. Not just that you could go zero and four. Oh, you're losing to another middling team in the AFC. Oh, you'll never come back from the zero and four start, even with the soft schedule. I think they need a win to feel good. I think Mac needs a reason to feel good about himself, about the offense, about the coaching. I think the buy in needs a win to advance everything that's gone on over the last month and a half. And if you don't, well, things could get uglier before they get uh, prettier. See, I think
4: it's a must-win game for the dual purpose, the twofold purpose you just outlined. Number one, you need a win for the buy-in. Like These guys haven't had a win since January 2nd. So they have won a game technically in 2022. But it's been... 260-some-odd days since their last win. That's a long time in Pats Nation. And given the turmoil, the unusual moves, the uh, play-calling realignment, everything that's gone on this offseason, the controversy, people clapping at them from the media and the sidelines and the fan base alike, I think the way that last week went, a lot of you know, down voices, a lot of frowny faces, the Patriots emotionally could use a win. A win against a beatable team, yes. A win against a team that is, and I won't say a mirror version of them, but is kind of on par with them, someone who's expected to win anywhere between 7 and 10 games. It's a road win. You want to go in with a little momentum to the home opener. And then number two, the map for 0 and 4, like the road to uh, an offer uh, on the way to week 5 or 6, game 5 or 6, as Bill Belichick always says, That's when you start to get to know your team. Unfortunately, Coach Belichick may be getting to know a winless team unless they pull one out tomorrow and then build off of that, carry that momentum into the games at home against the Ravens and then back on the road against the Packers. Because without it, Andy, this could be a brutal start to the season. And I'm also not even going to go ahead and give you the Lions game because what an effort they put forth last week, 38-35 loss to the Eagles. You know, team grit the ones that will drag you out to the deep end and drown you, they're going to go tooth and nail for a full 60. I need to see the Patriots put together a complete game tomorrow, a mistake-free game where the fundamentals are sound
3: and they go out and they out-execute a team that kind of knows them thanks to Brian Flores. No shot at that happening. A complete game with, with no mistakes. This team's not good enough right now. The good news is you don't need that to beat the Steelers. Steelers should have lost last week. They Several times. Every opportunity for the Bengals, even while turning the ball over five time for Joe Burrow and company, gave them every opportunity uh, to win that game. And they didn't take it. But that's why I think we we talked about it on the Six Rings podcast this week in that preview. And if people want to get that, uh, they can go to the Odyssey app or their usual podcast providers that this is a game between two middling teams where the under not a lot of points might be scored. There may be swapping of turnovers and plays. There's a lot of questions about the offenses for various reasons. I don't think they need to play a perfect game. I would say just play a slightly better game. So you gave us a couple drives last week in Miami. Give us three drives. Whatever your possessions are, you get ten possessions. Give us three or four legitimate drives where Mac looks like he's in control of the offense and it's executing and it's efficient and it's moving down the field. And I would first and foremost say let's just see Mac on the field because it's a weird week, and you, you articulated it. You start the week. Incapable of going to your post-game press conference because you're getting backs, back x-rays for your spasms coming off a big hit. And I know he came back the next day and said, I've been hit harder than that, and I'll probably be hit harder than that in the future. Then he misses a day of practice to illness. Not ideal for an offense that's still trying to find its footing. It, you know, mm-hmm. This isn't like Tom Brady, year 16, missing a Thursday. Who cares? He could do it in his sleep. This is an offense that's still trying to find itself right now. So, it's a weird week for Mac Jones. I think he needs to go out there and and feel good for... Just feel good for more of the game than you feel bad. Because I don't know that he's, he's had a day yet this summer where he's felt better about the performance, whether it's a practice or a game, the two hours, three hours that he's out there, for more than half of it. He needs one of those where it's just more better than worse.
4: Last week's game, especially on offense, did not do very much to allay the concerns of those who raised red flags over the play-calling structure, over Mac Jones' ability to understand, grasp, or uh, be prolific in this new offense, the rushing scheme, the outside zone, the Shanahan this or that, they, it was a very discombobulated effort on offense. They started out pretty nicely with the running game. They got away from it. That first drive looked great. It was on script, and then they got greedy, and it should have been P.I. Regardless. Mac, you're right. He has not had a lot to build off of. There hasn't been a lot to smile about. There hasn't been a lot of joy on the offensive side of the ball. And, yes, if you could tell me they'll have four positive scoring drives tomorrow where they get three field goals, three big kick nicks, and one touchdown, and then maybe there'll be a 50-50 ball or a nice Dietrich Wise or Matt Judon strip sack pickup and recovery for a touchdown. Patriots score 23 points tomorrow with a lot of those kind of positive drives, way more than last week, Andy, whether T.J. Watt is out there or not, we know he's not going to be because he's on injured reserve. You give me that kind of effort, you'll get a win, and then there'll be reason to believe not only in the team but back into the season as well. But if they go out there tomorrow and they put forth another effort where the line looks confused, Trent Brown gets played, Isaiah Wynn gets spun around, Cole Strange misses an assignment, Uh, They're reasonably healthy. It could maybe be Adrian Phillips uh, and maybe one or two other players who could have to be sidelined tomorrow. But by and large, the Pats are reasonably healthy. If they can't correct the mistakes of last week, not only are they doomed tomorrow, but they could be doomed for the long run as well. I still see them winning tomorrow. I see them correcting all of this. This is what they do. If they're still the Patriots, I know they're not the same Patriots, Andy, but if they're still the Patriots – the kind where Bill Belichick 28 and 11 after double digit losses, 12 and 4 against the Steelers. I know. I'll take it away from you. I know Tom Brady's not out there. That was all with Tom Brady. That yep. said, if that team can show up tomorrow,
3: would you give them a fighting chance? Absolutely. I mean, I think they have a fighting chance just because it's two mediocre teams. You said it. These are two similar. There's a lot of similarities in the franchises and the coaches and everything that's going on. The Steelers might be a year behind you in the transition post Hall of Fame quarterback and all that I just I think the Patriots are living more off history than maybe the Steelers are because I still think they have a pretty good defense they're still Blitzberg and Belichick talked a lot about it this week that that continuity on the defense and the style of play is still in Pittsburgh even if some of the you know main pieces are not for the Patriots we're still trying to figure out who these Patriots are, right? They're ditching the Mm -hmm. offensive system. We're going in a different direction offensively. We have all these curious decisions on the coaching staff. You know, you say the Patriots. I don't know who these Patriots are because I think we all agree they're not going to win just purely on talent. They're not going to be the most talented team on the field very often. So there's going to have to be other aspects to a winning formula, coaching, game plan, week to week, you know, stealing it a little bit. And I'm not sure if they're ready right now, because last week, if they they didn't steal the game, they kind of had plays where they gave the game away. And if they're going to do that more often than not, they're going to be in trouble more often than not. 617-779-7937
4: is the telephone number if you'd like to get in touch with us and talk some New England Patriots and how you feel about tomorrow's game heading into Pittsburgh. Was it as bad a week as we say? And are you concerned? For poor Mac Jones, who got hit time and again last week, was all sorts of banged up and needs to put his best foot, if he can, if it's not still limpy and gimpy following the back injury last week, needs to put that best foot forward against Blitzburg and old pals Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores by the Allegheny tomorrow. Mike Dussault joins the show from Patriots.com at 2 p.m. But right now, we'll catch you up on everything else in the wide world of sports with Trending Now.
0: Your home of the Sox. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI.
4: Tune in to WEEI this Red Sox season as they broadcast live from our Ford Clubhouse Fenway studio before Red Sox weekend home games. It's brought to you by your New England Ford dealers and Ford trucks, the official truck of the Red Sox. Here's what's trending now on WEEI and WEEI.com. The Red Sox scored two in the bottom of the eighth to pull out a 2-1 victory over the Royals last night at Friendly Fenway. Michael Waka continued with his amazing, impressive 2022 campaign. Seven innings allowed, just... Seven innings pitched, excuse me, rather, and just one run allowed. Kevin Ploecki was DFA'd after last night's game. Thoughts and prayers to Rob Bradford at this time. Pitcher Frank Herman has been recalled from A Worcester. The Woo Sox. Game two of the three-game set is this afternoon... Rich Hill is on the bump opposite Brady Singer. Uh, Brady Singer, that that something sounds like something from a Fox TV show, Fox. Would you, Randy.
3: Yeah, they're teasing the masked singer. I see what they're doing there. <laughs> it just plays into the whole conspiracy.
4: First pitches at 4.07 today, or rather 4.10 p.m., as the kids like to say. Ish. 410, yeah, 407-ish, 410-ish, we'll we'll see. Joe Castiglione and Will Fleming, they'll be on the call across the Shaw's and Star Market, WEEI Red Sox Network. Shaw's and Star Market, perfecting the art of fresh. And hey, be sure to tune in to the Visit Massachusetts pregame show with Rob Bradford at 310. That's sponsored by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. Start your Massachusetts adventure at visitma.com. As we discussed earlier and we'll be discussing throughout the show, the Patriots are headed to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers for their week two matchup at 1 p.m. tomorrow. and Eagle on the call on the Central Broadcasting System. Mac Jones has been taken off the injury report after missing Thursday's practice due to illness. Four Patriots are listed as questionable, including Trent Brown and Adrian Phillips. To get ready for Patriots and Steelers, join Gresh, Keefe, and Wiggy tomorrow before the game from 10 to 1 for NFL Sunday. And then join me, Nick Fitzy-Stevens, and Andy jumbo Hart. After the Patriots game for Pat Steelers 6 Rings postgame show immediately following the conclusion of Sox Royals. And in college football today, number 12 BYU plays number 25 Oregon at 3:30. Number 11 Michigan State, Old Sparty, plays Washington for tonight's national game at 7:30, and your Boston College Eagles host Maine at 7:30, which you can hear on AM 850. That's what's trending now on WEI and wei.com.
2: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
3: If your day sounds like... We need
2: the report ASAP.
3: You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste or if you overcame right. tour. you deserve this ice cold reward Medela, the remarkable fighter drink responsibly beer imported by Crowley port chicago illinois
0: now we're right back to it Bitsy and hard on weei
6: and streaming everywhere
0: on the odyssey app
5: yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the headsets are are pretty cool. You know, there's a lot of people on the on the headsets and you have uh, guys up top that have different responsibilities and they're giving you information down below. Um, obviously, the coaches on the field that are talking to the position groups, um, you don't necessarily have to be standing right next to somebody in order to be communicating with them, which is a great part of it. We have different lines on our headsets so we can switch different channels and talk to different uh, maybe isolated groups if we need to get direct communication back and forth, uh, whatever that you know may be from what we're seeing in the game. So, So, So um, I think all of that stuff is is, uh, something we always try to improve on and we always try to get better. And certainly every game that we've had, starting with the preseason to the regular season, uh, there's been different things that we've been able to learn to try to communicate better as we go. And, um, you know, with Joe over there, obviously uh, working with Mac and Hoyer uh, directly on the bench, I'm just clicked on with them and we're talking back and forth as I'm working through with the offensive line, you know, Billy Yates upstairs and obviously the other coaches on those lines too. So it's really just like a big conversation uh, all happening at the same time, and we have an order, of sequence that we go through with that communication so that we're all getting the information that we need um, out of the plays, you know, from, from the particular series that we just got done with. So uh, just continually trying to streamline that info, but uh, it's great. I mean, if there's something I need, I can just walk down and, and, you know, we can have different conversation at that standpoint, too. If it's something maybe that I saw in a picture that, you know, I want to show or go down there, um, it's all pretty right, neat. All enough, enough, you know.
4: enough already! Awesome! Oh. Sounds like you talking. That was Matt Patricia's very brief answer in the New England Patriots offense that has, quote, been streamlined for Mm. simplicity and success. That was his super brief and quick answer to Phil Perry's question. Hey, do you feel like you get a chance to spend enough time with Mac Jones on the sideline during the game? There was more to it. Oh, my God. Andy, this is the Fitzy and Hart Show on WEEI. 617-779-7937 if you'd like to get in touch. I heard that earlier this week after Phil Perry asked the question, and it was uh, I think I heard it on Tommy Curran's pod. And I heard that, and I was in the middle of a jog, Andy. I stopped. I stopped, and I doubled over laughing. I could not believe how long-winded, you call me Wordy McWorderson, you call me Captain Run on Sentence, holy smokes on rye
3: with a side of fries. What the hell was that? That was um, that was a description of chaos, in my opinion. The way <laughs> Thank he's describing you. that, he's like, and you know, you got Judge over there talking ahoy, and and there, and I'm talking to Yatesy, and we're and I'm talking to the offensive line, and I can hear them while I'm talking to those, and like, no wonder things aren't working. It's just we're in a business where if two people are talking <laughs> at the same time, you get the texters, Hey, shut up and let one another talk. We can't understand either of you. I'm supposed to believe that this is an efficient. Productive way of doing business on the Patriots sideline. It sounds awful. It sounds like bedlam. It literally sounds like the fall
4: of Saigon. That is like that is the football equivalent of getting out of co- like the end of uh, Argo. Like oh my God, it is just absolute hysteria. Like all he has to do is say yes. Even though I understand, I have to keep in touch with the offensive line because that's supposed to be my primary responsibility. I'm also In touch with the backup quarterback and the quarterback's coach and the head coach. And when I need to get in touch with Mac, be it in person, face-to-face, or via the magic of technology, I can do that. And I always want everyone to know I'm there for them because that's my job and I do it. There. I just took a a two-and-a-half-minute answer and summed it up into ten seconds. That was madness. And, Andy, you hit it right on the freaking head. That is basically the offense and how things are going right now in a nutshell no wonder why people aren't sure of their assignments no wonder why people look confused no wonder why people look out of sorts and out of place because it's madness i mean that's that that's just it's too much and then when you get into and i'm not sure if many listeners are familiar with this but albert breer who works for sports illustrated and part of the monday morning quarterback um puts out the Long-form long, long form piece this week, and in there, there are nuggets about uh, in his report about how and why Bill Belichick ultimately did go with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as his offensive brain trust, Patricia the de facto offensive coordinator, because, number one, he feared hiring away Billy O'Brien from Alabama because he thought if O'Brien comes in and does a good job year one, someone else will hire him away. Oh, no. What a shame that would be. That would mean the Patriots' offense excuse me was good and that, that that bill o'brien looked good in the process what a what a shame that would be having to have your offensive uh coordinator who's worked with you previously and has familiarity with the building the players the system the coach etc come in and get hired away and then he didn't want to give it to nick cayley for similar reasons the best possible scenario would have been bringing in bill o'brien uh and working with your two tight ends, working with a, uh, a kid who was at Alabama where Bill O'Brien just was, and if he does get hired away to be a head coach in a year or two, you're drafting Nick Kayley behind him, the tight ends coach. Bill O'Brien loves using tight ends in the offense. It would have made too much sense. And then Kaylee takes over after that. I mean, if I can see that,
3: how come no one, and I'm sure you have similar feelings, Andy, what the hell are they doing inside Gillette? Well, this is a, an example. If If all of this is true, and we don't know that it is. I mean, lots no, of stuff it's is a report. reported. I understand, yeah, but it's... Lots of stuff gets reported that isn't true. We've all done it. We hear things. Then you find out, no, that was not the truth or the half-truth, whatever. Mm-hmm. But if all this is true, you have to question the decision-making of Bill Belichick. You, you absolutely have to question the decision-making because you just laid it out. First of all, don't you want this year to be the best year? Isn't he Mr. We Worry About This Week, This Season? We don't look about weeks down the road or years down the road. Isn't that mm-hmm. his M.O.? And... Even if Billy O'Brien did leave, as you said, Nick Cayley comes in the next year. same system, continuity and systems from the history and the present. Nick Cayley's an absolute nobody. No offense to Nick Kayley, but he would, I can't envision him being in the role one year and then people being impressed enough to give him a job. So you'd have Billy O'Brien for a year, Nick Kayley for multiple years. Now we're three, four years in. Now Mac is a veteran, so whatever happens after that, he can deal with better. Who knows where Bill is? You may have bigger changes to worry about. So if this was the the mindset that led to Matt Patricia and Joe Judge being the best option for the Patriots offense and for Mac Jones, then the mindset that made that decision is absolutely broken.
4: Which just sounds like heresy in these parts, you know, because we try to be as in Bill we trust as we possibly can whether that's our our fundamental operating system or what we buy into because what what other choice do we have considering that it's basically an autocracy down there with Bill having the final answer and say on everything. And he has earned it to a very large degree. We trust the coach's judgment. We trust what the coach is doing. It just seems so to fear success in some ways, like, oh, man, then next season I'll have to go through the thing all over again, like, well... You like Nick Cayley enough that you blocked the Raiders from taking him, right? And now you've kept him on staff as the tight ends coach. Dante Scarnecchia gave him the vote of confidence and said tight end coaches oftentimes make the best offensive coordinators because their yep. fundamental knowledge of receiving pass protection, the offensive line, everything around there, it all runs through the tight ends, a very pivotal position, maybe the most important position outside of quarterback. And, if Bill O'Brien comes back in, just the confidence you could give Mac Jones, it's that same thing that we went over time and time and time again this offseason. You have to do everything you possibly can, even if you lose more football games than you win, even if you don't make it back to the playoffs, frustrating the fan base and ownership. As long as you make sure you continue Mac Jones's positive trajectory and his progression, then there will be wins to be taken out of a season that will have more losses. And now when you do something like this and you give me that sort of fuster cluck, as we like to call them of an answer from Matt Patricia, good god. Poor Mac Jones's head must be spinning, Andy. I would hate to see how he feels after one of these practices where this quote simplified offense comes into play.
3: And I also already think streamline, excuse me, sorry. You have wasted time already. Like you can't tell me you didn't waste a portion of of Mac Jones's second season, his first full off-season. Already. Like, you already have had negative results from this. First of all, that first quote when he said, Joe and I are teaching each other out on the field. Okay, nope, that's not how this is supposed to work. That's not how any of this is supposed to work. He teaches you that it is already a two-way teaching conversation is problematic. It means it's not quite as good as it could have been if there were a better structure in place. So the the consistent growth that I think a lot of people thought you saw from Mac Jones in year one as a rookie under... Josh McDaniels and the rest, that whether you thought it was step-like or just a nice continuous line going up at a nice angle, that has already been broken. There's already been either baby steps backwards or at least a plateauing of what he has been asked to do this offseason. And right there, we already, and they've played a single game, Fitzy, they already have not fulfilled the criteria of your focus for year two of Mac. They have already hindered on some level his development i believe that to be true all
6: right can i ask you guys a question then sure this coop. is coop coming hey, what's, what's up uh, coop i miss what you do, i miss you they're, they're not hey uh,
4: miss you too miss your musk miss your handsome face make sure you do the socials with andy
6: he doesn't he have a good says side hello in a lot of words oh, it's great it's great but uh, we, we got a lot of doom and gloom going so i are you gonna be mr positivity bring it bring i kind of want to bring some i okay, don't know if they you will got. bring it but the season's tainted no matter what when you look back at like what Bill's done as a career, you will always look back at twenty twenty two, and it's just kind of like, oh, you kind of had that weird season. So, what is it going to take to kind of get this taste out of the mouths of Patriots fans? Because I mean, you could say like you know five hundred record, but you're still going to think about you know how this season started off, and just kind of like, well, do we still fully
3: trust what's going on? Well, here? you you say it's tainted. They are only 0-1. I know we, none of yeah, us I know. believe. I mean, we're, we're panicking because but, we're Patriots I mean, fans they and they could whatnot. theoretically go 16-1, and 1 and then exactly. will not be tainted. It would be a great season, and Bill will be the genius of all geniuses going double birds at the whole world around him who told him this was stupid. And now, wouldn't that be glorious? And I will what does that all the hot like? chips and humble pie possible. Oh, Coop. I think you have to go to the playoffs and win a playoff game. But as far
4: as, you. like,
6: is it personnel change? Is it, like, putting the train no. back on the track?
4: No, Coop, what it is, it's as simple as this. The Patriots need to make more positive plays than negative plays. They need to score a lot more points than they give up. You need to see defensive growth for a future with these young cornerbacks, the linemen, Barmore, Uche, uh, McMillan, et cetera. You need to see that you've got the foundation for a Belichickian defense for the future. And on offense, you need Bill's faith in Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and then ultimately all the faith that is going to be placed on the narrowest shoulders of Mac Jones to be validated. Andy's right. They need to go to the playoffs and win a game. They can Absolutely. go nine and eight, ten and seven. Don't give a flying flip about that. Go to the playoffs, win a game, dominate that game, and show that you're back to where you used to be, or at least a facsimile therein. Now this is this season is a success. Now we're talking. If they go Coop, if they go seven and ten and there's doom and gloom, and we're fearful for the future and we don't know if Mac is the answer and what the hell is Bill doing. I don't care how much free agency money they have to spend next year. That's a
3: major step back. That's regression, and that's what you can't have. And this isn't us talking. I mean, Robert Kraft has made it simple. We haven't won a playoff game in three years. He expects to be a contender. He expects to win a playoff game. It's pretty simple. Boss man gave you an uh, an objective. You probably should try to fulfill it.
6: Yeah, I mean, Ken and Curtis, they were talking about it, you know, before you guys, the Red Sox dynamic, the Patriots dynamic, the the Celtics dynamic. It's production matters.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Here more than anywhere. Yeah. Here more Uh than anywhere, it matters. You can't convince people that, oh, you know, it's a three-year plan. I think this is why there's a lot of confusion slash questioning of Bloom. Like, what exactly is the plan? How long is it? What's the end goal? How do we get from A to B? Where here it's as simple as, are you going to be good this year? Did you do everything you could to be good this year? Did you do everything you could to make the postseason in your sport this year and maybe go on a run? And if the answer to that is no, that doesn't really measure up around here. This isn't the you know the Astros where you can plan for a World Series championship. That's this like fictitious off on the horizon. Shout out to Sports Illustrated exactly, for calling that exactly. But that and it worked out great for them it worked Shout out great out to Jordan Alvarez for the 3 bombs he hit last Ugh. night. Ooh, I just God, don't disgusting. think that works here. This is not a long-term I, point, plan. Point
6: blank at the end of the day, dubs matter in Boston. Yeah. It's all yes. that matters.
3: So, you need to There's your new shirt. Abs- Can you put that up for sale at com? dubs matter? Dubs matter. There Absolutely need to make the playoffs and win a playoff game for this to be a success. Right? All right I mean, let's and take I, it to- I know there's dip, there's mm-hmm. like maybe they are having a great season and then mac gets hurt like there's always caveats for specific scenarios within the year but on the most general sense make the playoffs win a playoff game or people are going to be questioning what's going on
4: yeah and maybe maybe
3: macs hurt the kid's back is already out of alignment
4: no, and he spent fine. a day on the toilet he's my fine. god No, he's, oh, he's fine. fine sure he's going to have a, a fortune better
3: back, than Justin back, Herbert there's no better place to go with back spasms than blitzburg that's a great place to just go a week <laughs> later perfect
4: Oh, poor Minka Fitzpatrick comes off one of those unchecked corner blitzes tomorrow and lays square into McCorkle. Get ready for a,
3: a Hoyer o'clock with zappy time to follow. Six one seven. Trent Brown stands there with that dumb look uh, on his face like, was that my guy? Was I supposed to get him or was somebody else going to get him? Because I didn't get him.
4: 617-779-7937 is the telephone number. Let's take it to the calls real quick before we catch a break, pay the bills, and keep this party train rolling. First one on the books. Chuck in Andover on line two wants to talk some Pats. What up, Chuck?
1: Aww. Yeah, I'll, uh, two things, and I won't even touch on making a defensive coach the offensive coordinator. If you look at all the great players that won Super Bowls here, including the GOAT, they all came from D1 schools. Think of all of the players. And it was SEC, it was Big Ten, and now all of a sudden, and, and we can discuss Dugga if you want, but now all of a sudden it's a Division two school and it's Tennessee Chattanooga. So I don't get that. There's got to be five Kyle Duggars in the SEC and Big Ten. And I don't know how many of that God that we got that isn't that good and isn't a first round draft pick. And you know, I grew up in the 70s, eat, drinking and sleeping football. I'm 61 years old. Shula and Landry were the guys that were playing chess when everyone was playing checkers. And right around this age, it got by them. And that's what's happening. They ain't going to playoffs. They ain't going to win a game. Sorry.
2: Oof. Okay. Well,
4: there we go. Seems like the positivity and all the effort and electricity we put into the first forty minutes of the show is paid off. Thank you, yeah. Chuck. I appreciate the opinion and
3: the call. It's um, not all true, but it's uh, not. I all actually true would now. say the the second part is more true than the first. The second part of you know, sort of guys get old, and you know that's the natural progression of life in sort of all all sports, all aspects of the world. Is pro- there's probably some truth to that. Could Bill be getting old before our eyes? Absolutely, it's plausible. He thought Tom Brady was getting old based on his actuarial tables. We can think he's getting old based on our actuarial tables. The aspect of, you know, Kyle Duggar isn't good because where he comes from and blah, blah. Like, he's a good player with good skills, just like Ben Coates coming out of wherever the hell he came from was Wait, a Livingston great player. Livingston State? Yeah, Livingston State and Troy Brown coming out of Marshall before they were even really big-time football. Like, they, Adam Vinatieri from, where the hell did Adam Vinatieri? South Dakota State? Uh, North, North Dakota, Dakota State. State. I mean, look, there are guys from that came, came out of Troy that won Super Bowls. like Yeah, uh, like, that played for the let's Giants. just stop. Jerry I, Rice, I will, I will you ever heard of him? Thing, Where's Jerry well, Rice from? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody got Jerry Rice on me? Tiny.
4: Uh, I will point out, though, as much as we like Kyle Duggar, the coverage leaves a little to be desired. The open field tackling and the blitzing is absolutely outstanding. I believe he was selected 35th overall in the 2020 draft, the COVID draft from uh, Roger Goodell's creepy bunker. Uh, 10 I would players... argue if everybody did their job as well as Kyle
3: Duggar does his, this team would be a hell of
4: a lot better. Yep. I mean, there were other safeties available in the draft as well. Uh, Ten slots later, Antoine Winfield Jr. was selected by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That kid's a pretty good safety as well. Definitely sure. one of the better safeties in the NFC. So there was plenty of talent at that position available there. We can't call Belichick a genius for finding Kyle Duggar or taking a chance on a kid who popped at the – Senior Bowl, because
3: Jim, no, he was going was great. He was going where he got drafted. He was not a reach. He right. was going to be drafted based on the combine and the skill set and the size. He was going in to be drafted bowl, yes. in the second round. It was the same draft, I believe, as as Jeremy Chin was the other tweener. Safety, he went later in the round to Carolina. Like, and that kid's good, too. They were the talk of that draft is mm-hmm. these guys, these these lower level tweener linebacker safety types. Mm-hmm.
4: And now we need more of them. Uh, you may even be seeing more of Duggar and Peppers tomorrow, depending so on what. So it's Dugger's fault the Patriots
3: status. suck. I'm I'm confused at the whole point of that call. He's just should take SEC players. Well, he's done that, and some of those suck too. Some are yeah, good. Some Ant- suck. How, how is Anthony, Anthony Jennings, Jennings killing week? it? Oh wait, yeah. he's not. Yeah. How about so, Cyrus like, Jones? He's on line five. Oh, Cyrus Jones. Terrible pick <laughs> right out of Alabama and SEC. Good call, Fitzy.
4: 617 is the number. The lines are loaded. We'll keep on talking. Pats with you guys. Are you nervous about tomorrow's game? Uh, do you think it's a must-win game? And are you concerned for Mac Jones, who had himself a hell of an opener and a hell of a week as well? But a big win tomorrow? could change the tides oh, and finally imbue the region with a little Pat's positivity, which hopefully Mike Dussault brings as well when he calls in at 2 p.m. This is Fitzy and Hart on WEI.
0: WEI. We are right back to Fitzy and Hart.
6: Streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. I got my peaches out in
1: Georgia. An example, I'm watching their tape. You know, they've always got a lockdown match corner, if you will, um, over the years. and recent years, it's been Gilmore and then it was J.C. Jackson and, and now it's Jones. And I think that's what you get when you get continuity in a program, if you will. The names may change, but the roles and how they go about business, their mode of operation very much remains the same. I turned on the tape from last week. I see 31 tracking number 10 for Miami. Very much in the ways like the number one corners from New England usually do. Steelers coach Mike Tomlin. With some flattering
4: praise, if not hyperbolic words, offered towards the Patriots' defense and starting cornerback Jonathan Jones, who has been shifted from the slot to the outside this season, had a good week last week against Tyreek Hill. But to put him in the class of Ty Law, Stephon Gilmore, Aqib Talib, at all, hmm. Curious indeed, Fitzy and Hart coming at you on WEI. You can give us a shout at 779 nine seven ninety three seven. Where do you think that came from? Where, is that just foundational respect Mike Tomlin has for a team that has beat him three out of every four tries over the last twenty some odd years, or does he really think that Jonathan Jones is that good? Because the Steelers got some receivers.
3: Yeah, no, I I, I think that was um, respect. That was coach speak, and some of it is expectations. Mm-hmm. I mean, if. If a corner, it, let's just say J.C. Jackson had re-signed with the Patriots for $100 million this offseason. Mm-hmm. Not,
4: not a great Chargers debut, huh?
3: But then allowed Tyreek Hill to do what he did? We'd say he had a bad game. Yep. $100 million cornerback can't cover Tyreek Hill. Jonathan Jones, a slot corner who, out of necessity, is getting bumped out, does a decent job, right? Mm-hmm. Does a de- like it, It's all about expectations and perspective, and it's not meant to be a shot on Jonathan Jones, but he is who he is. He didn't exactly shut down Tyreek Hill. He was good enough in the way they played it. I mean, there was that one play was the perfect example where he was, whatever, eight yards off, and he's just like bouncing around waiting to tackle him after he catches the ball. Um, so, I, yeah, I think Mike Tomlin is playing the coaching game and being respectful. Yeah, I kind of tend to agree on that, although I am a believer
4: in Jonathan Jones. Um, good cornerback. He's good and he's, he's the fact. Would you give him $100 player. million
3: and call him a number one corner?
4: No, but okay. That's my I point. wouldn't I wouldn't I absolutely wouldn't give him that much money and I didn't think they were going to pay JC Jackson they didn't of course I understood he had ankle surgery he got beat the other night by the number 4 receiver on the Chargers these things happen these guys have to have short memories it's okay uh, also Asante Samuel Jr dropped two interceptions even his own dad trolled him on Twitter so
3: you know And corners tough to play in the NFL just look at uh, just Jalen Ramsey
4: a, <laughs> Jalen Ramsey still trying to get over that opener it's it's a oh my god what a whooping they took i wouldn't be surprised we'll get to our nfl picks later on in the show wouldn't be surprised if the rams take it out on the falcons tomorrow bigly back to the phones we go uh we got tim in Longmeadow tim how are you welcome to the show pal
0: thanks so much guys i love you both
3: uh and um i just you know talking about the patriots and, and talking about um bill's decision stuff like that
1: something nobody ever mentions and god
3: willing doesn't come into play but What do we do about mortality, about, uh, you know, the fact that he's almost 70? I mean, what if we find out that he is 70? And and I have mentioned that, and Mutt gets mad at me on Monday and Wednesday nights every time I mention it. I I think people that are 70 are old. Like, we all know people in this world that when you're 70, like, you could be dead. He said that he he wasn't going to be Marv Levy. He wasn't going to be around when he was 70, you know, coaching the NFL. Yeah, he's reneged on that. He's backtracked. He says it was regrettable yeah. that he ever said that. Yeah. But is so. is he I, I asked a question about what's he doing. I mean, he's got everything. I mean I everybody knows oh yeah, he's going after Shul's record, but is he also like doing um uh doing a Jonathan craft on I mean, him? Just like you know, building things up for uh, Brian and Steve. Well, I don't I don't, I don't think choice. it's that personally. It's it has nothing to do with him. It's a craft decision. And I will say He's Tim, in good thank you shape. for the call, buddy. Have a good he day. He told Shaughnessy he's not as fat as he used to be. He's working hard. He's been working hard for years. And you can see it. He's a little slimmer. Uh, he's been active on the practice field. He looks good. Um, so I don't. there's no indication necessarily that he is, quote-unquote, showing his age at no. 70. But no. I'm with you, Tim. When you hit 70, you're old. It is what it is. Yeah, I don't think he's lost any bit of his
4: fastball. I think that... And this is, sure? uh, this is why I want to go to the next call He made call a defensive
3: coordinator his play
4: caller. Uh, well, this is why I want to go to this next call because I think there's been some uh, insulation inside Gillette Stadium over the last couple of years. Rick is on the line and wants to speak just to that point. How are you, Rick? Good. How are you guys doing? Very, Super. very well. Thank you. All
1: right. Well, the, the previous caller that called out and said that Bill was, you know, he's getting too old. He's losing his mind. If that was the case, who on the staff, including his kids, would be comfortable enough to go up to Bill and say, Hey, look, some of the stuff that you're doing now is just insane and it's not working. You've got to get more with the times. I mean, is there anybody on the staff that would be able to do that? I mean, like Steve Belichick, could he pull his father aside and say, Hey, look, Dad, we need to talk, you know?
3: I mean so he that's could. a great
4: question. It's a I don't great think question.
3: Andy, what do you think? I don't think he would. He could. And he's answered this question at times in various ways, maybe not quite this direct question, but you know, he said his dad still still wears all the hats and he has not seen him lose a step anywhere. Now, these are public comments. Uh, I don't know what he thinks personally behind the scenes. He could. you know, Obviously, a child should feel comfortable enough with a parent to be honest with them if he felt that way, and he probably hasn't felt that way or hasn't shown it. I don't think there are a lot of other options. You know, Jonathan Kraft, Robert Kraft as bosses certainly would be in that position. But a lot of other the guys, if you go through, I mean, first of all, Patricia is the most experienced of his of his lieutenants, quote unquote. But is he going to go to Bill when Bill's giving him a job and saying it? This is nuts, Bill. You shouldn't give me this job. So I would eliminate him because he's part he's too close, has a conflict of interest in some of the decision making. And there aren't a lot of other options because it is a young staff. It is a staff made up of a couple of his kids and sort of his guys that, you know, you've, you've lost the Ivan Fears is and the Dante Skarniecki is maybe the, the age-old guys who would have no fear and be overly honest. So it's a fair question to ask. Rick, I appreciate the call
4: very much. Let's wrap the first hour with uh, the guy that I know always wants to be as positive as possible. Let's see how he felt about the week one debacle in Miami and how he feels about the Pats going to Pittsburgh. Wayne-O, what do you got? Wayne!
3: The mouthy from Southie. Wayne out. Wayne, Wayne trains is off Wayne the out twice.
4: All right, maybe oh, he'll call back. We'll see if we can Wayne. catch him in hour number two. He's probably running or something on his home. Yeah, push-ups, up. hitting the heavy bag. You never know. Pull-ups could be any number of things. It's a hard-o-knock life, as we say, Andy. 617-779-7937 is the telephone number. Hour one is in the books. Hour two coming up, and we kick it off with Mike Dussaud from Patriots.com in just a few minutes. Don't go anywhere.